Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, every plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit. And maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, we've got a great episode for you today. I'm going to be chatting with Jeremy Cowart. Jeremy is a all-star photographer, but he is also a philanthropist and he has an incredible new business venture that I'm going to talk about with him. I'm here with Claire today. Hey, Claire. Hi, guys. Well, Claire, um, let's chat about our self-care from the past week. How's yours? Well, I get an F this week. Okay. Mostly because (laughs) I suffered a concussion. Oh, you did. Last weekend. You did. (laughs) 
I know this because my children came and told me. The whole neighborhood, I think, was on alert. Yes. I was playing backyard, playing in the backyard with my family. Okay. Which was, that's where I went wrong. Sure. Like, actually trying to, like... <laughs> That'll teach you. Yeah. Never again. And I tripped over a paver in the backyard and just not quite as nimble uh-huh. as I used to be. Uh-huh. And I came down, I mean, just straight down on my temple. Oh, and it was gosh. in that moment. Right. You know, you talk about, like, it's, everything's happening, like, in slow yes. motion. I, yes. I was bracing for the fall. Right. And instead of, like, protecting myself, I just put my finger, like, over my temple, like, as <laughs> if that was going to help anything. Um, it was really scary, though. Um, it was scary. I hit pretty hard, and then I passed out. Mm-hmm. Which, that's never happened to me before. That's really scary. It, really scary. And then, according to my husband, who, I mean, I don't know how much we can trust what he's saying, but he says <laughs> I had a seizure after, which I don't remember. Ugh, um, and then so I passed scary. out again. So, it was just a really scary um, few hours for our family. I did go to the emergency room. You did, I know. Yeah. And, of course, they ordered every test there. Yeah, you were there for a long time. I was. But we're really lucky. We live by a fantastic hospital, yeah. Hope Hospital, and... Considering how much I had two CTs, mm-hmm. an X-ray of my elbow, yeah, and an MRI, wow. So it's like I was getting. Considering I haven't been to the doctor in like a year, I feel like I've like caught up in that. Oh one. yeah, you just took care of everything. My brain is great. Yeah, now you know. Now I know. <laughs> and they did. Um, sorry, the concussion guys. Um, they <laughs> did say I had a quote complicated concussion, which really just means. I just can't really do anything mm-hmm. for two weeks, mm. which, you know, moms, that that's going to happen. Sure. So just don't do anything, Claire. Right. Just don't do anything. So then I, you know, went home and like I started coaching. Right. And, you know, so I'm doing okay. Um, I did have to take a break from my personal training, mm-hmm. which is hard because I was feeling like the momentum was starting. Like uh-huh. I wasn't hating it so much. Right. And so I did have to take a break from that and just really kind of be aware of when I can feel I'm overdoing it. Right. Which I don't really have a great gauge of that anyway. Mm -hmm. But it is forcing me to just, you know, pause. And one of the biggest things the neurologist told me is to limit my screen time. Interesting. Which, you know, I bark that at my kids all the time. Right. Like, I'm the mom and I'll do what I want. Right. And I I can tell a difference. Oh, I bet. My head starts to really hurt. Uh Uh-huh. And I get really foggy. Oh, yeah. So I've been kind of taking a little bit of a break. I mean, I don't really know what that means, but... I yeah. feel like if I'm trying to be more cognizant if I'm on yeah. there, like, oh, I should put this down for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm fine. Thank goodness. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And it's a good lesson and just, you know, mm-hmm. my kids hit, hit their heads all the time. They play sports. <laughs> and so it was just a good lesson in, like, being more aware, making sure you're taking it seriously. Yeah. Because it could have been a really scary situation. Oh, yeah. You do have to take it seriously. The irony in all of this that people need to know is that Claire is constantly screaming at every child in the neighborhood about head injuries. All the time. All the time. All the time. I've even threatened them that the next time I see them writing on a wheeled object. Right. That they're going to have to write me an essay about CTE and head injury. (laughs) Well, you know this, but I mean, my boys skate all the time, frequently not with helmets on, and it is a constant point of contention. And I one day, on a Saturday, made them watch an hour (laughs) of YouTube clips of skaters having seizures after falling. And, you know, I made them watch the full, the documentary of then the kid who lost his his range of motion and his parents are helping him into a bathtub. And I'm like, changing his diaper. That could be you. Do you want that? You know? Um, And I'm happy to report um, they ignored all of it completely. None of it took. They still don't care. What's so obnoxious about that, too, is that they'll probably never get hurt. They probably won't. And then you fell in your backyard. Yep. Right. Trying to be (laughs) present with my family. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which again, the lesson here is I should have oh, just gone boy. and read a book by myself. Well, speaking of being present with your family, that is actually the self-care aspect I want to talk about this week. Oh, nice. Because, okay, I am struggling with the idea of being present. I'm trying really hard. But here's what I notice. I'm a mom. I'm a single mom of four kids. It is nearly impossible for me to be present because I always have something else nagging at the corner of my brain. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I went to pick up my kids um, yesterday. Um, I'm picking up two kids from soccer practice. I have a 10-minute window to get home, grab a different child, and take him to a dentist appointment. I walk into the school, and a teacher wants to talk to me. And in my head, all I'm thinking is, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, right? And I feel like that happens to me all the time. I run into someone at Target. I want to go to coffee with a friend. But my margins are so thin. My schedule is so crammed that I'm always having to be hypervigilant about my time and what's coming next. Like, do we need to be in disguise? Right? <laughs> totally. And you don't want to seem rude. And so no. part of you, like, gives... But I want to be present. Like, yeah. I want to be the kind of person who can wa- take a leisure walk into school and chat with whoever crosses my path. We're not those people, Kristen. <laughs> well, I know, but I want to be... If you find the answer to that, please tell me, because I struggle the same way. Or even being present at home. Like, you know, the kids come home from school, and I would love to then they come home from school, and I'm available to them. But they come home from school, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to head back up to my room. I have an hour more to work. Then we do dinner, and then they're like, can we watch a show? You know, they like to watch a show together at the end of the day. And, like, I don't even feel like I can sit and watch a show, because I have so much to do. To catch up on. Yes. Right. And that has a lot to do, too, with being a single parent. Well, this is true. And all of the unpaid work, right? We talk about the unpaid work that we do. Yeah, the mental load. Yes. Yeah, that is true. And that takes up so much of our space. It does. And I I, I will say this. My my ex and I, um, he he takes the kids two nights a week, but I am entirely in charge of all mental load. Oh, yeah. I mean... But that was was before. That's even um, before, I I feel like before I could at least outsource. Like, okay, tonight, can you go run to Target and grab the soccer cleats while I, you know... Now it's like, there's nothing. It is all me. And the kids are getting older and they need us in different ways. Yeah. Where it's not like... The the needs aren't like the physical needs of like cooking, cleaning, you know, nursing, whatever... It's now more we have to be we have to be hypervigilant. Yeah. Because even when they're not here, uh-huh. our our mind is with them. Like, what are they doing? Oh, totally. And so that takes up a lot of space and then or stress. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just struggling with that. And also I think I'm also recognizing in the conversation around self-care that, you know, we're we're constantly admonishing each other to be present. And it's a mantra and it's, you know, there's a million different Pinterest pictures yeah. about being present. Or people and, to follow. And I just I just want to acknowledge that there is a privilege inherent in being able to be present that is not always possible on a million different levels. That just like seriously gave me goosebumps because that's like a big aha moment for me. When I realize like people who parents who don't work or have the ability to stay home and they have two income one income but yeah. it, it supports everyone. Right. When you are having to work and you're a single parent and we're so fortunate especially living where we live and especially in the community that we live in. Yeah. How many women who really don't have the opportunity for self-care? Totally. Because they're working maybe two, three jobs right. or have three, four kids and they're doing yeah. this. And I don't know, I, that what you just said just like really resonated with me because it isn't always an option. No. Mm-mm. And how do we find 
how do we find those like micro moments to take care of ourselves when all this chaos is going on around us? Yeah. The, it's the margins are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And I think there's moments, I think there's, you know, everyone can find time to meditate. But I just noticed that throughout the process of my day, um, it I am very rarely really just present in a moment and almost always multitasking in my brain. There's like all the tabs are open. All the tabs, 20 tabs, 20 yeah. tabs. And I, I, I really feel that multitasking in general causes a lot of stress. Yes. I think it causes cognitive decline and memory loss, you know, when we're constantly taxing our brain. But I don't feel that I have the luxury to not do that. I mean, I just, I'm kind of in a place of like, I'm having to accept that this is what my life is right now. I will say one thing that I've always really admired and I've copied from your family mm-hmm. dynamic. You were really great about having your kids pitch in around the house and chores. Yeah. And... I'm such a control freak that I was before I really, you know, got involved here in this neighborhood. I was doing it all. Yes. And then resenting doing it all. And so one of the things I've, the little micro thing that I've tried to close one of the tabs is having my kids be responsible for their own laundry, Uh which I know sounds so simple, but for me letting that go. Yeah. Their clothes are clean and they're put away, but they are crinkled and shoved in the drawers. They look terrible. Just turn up in the drawer. And that's okay. It is okay. But. Not to be Debbie Downer, but I will say this, having outsourcing and having my kids do their own stuff, I, for me so far with my individual kids still requires the same amount of mental load. Now I might not be physically doing it, but I I swear to you, I mean, I, I had to go to a meeting the other night and I said, while I'm gone, I want you to unpack and I want you to put, because they'd been at their dad's, do this laundry and put all of it away. And I came back from an hour-long meeting and they'd done none of it. Like, it, I have to stay on top of them. It's I like you delegated? Yeah. And it's like the whole, you wasted a whole, like, mm-hmm. conversation because yeah. it didn't even happen. So in order for them to do anything, whether it's clean up after dinner, make dinner, I- I'm still hovering and thinking and managing and calling them back in. Like, I just said empty the dishwasher. You did half of it. Oh, I had to pee and then I forgot, you know. <laughs> so that mental load, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mental load, unfortunately, is still there, but it is nice that I'm not actually having to do it. Yeah. But maybe ugh. one, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, I think as they get older, it'll get better. And I, I hope that I can. I mean, sometimes I just think like, when they're all out of the house, like, am I going to be able to slow this brain down, or am I like doing permanent damage of constant multitasking? Don't you think that you'll just find other things to put that energy towards? Probably. <laughs> I mean, although you know what, I, I did. I went to a conference this past weekend. I hung out with friends, and I did. I slowed my brain down. Like, I was able to just sit by a pool and read a book. And then you got on an airplane. And then, and then flew directly here. And then... Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know that I flew directly here, got off the plane, came to my house, changed clothes, and drove got into, directly got to... Got into costume. Got into a costume and drove directly to the PTA gala. Yes. Which, to be fair, is an improvement from when you left the White House last time and mm-hmm. flew directly to the gala. That was rough because if you remember, I had done like two red eyes in a row and I think I was going on four hours of sleep. I think I was just loopy by that point. I feel like you had a great time. I did. Because you really weren't aware of where you were. No, I didn't know. I don't remember it at all. (laughs) So I think self-care is not like a destination. It's definitely a journey. And we're going to have times where we're doing really great. Yeah. And then times like we're like everybody else and like we just suck at it. Yeah. 
And so this week, I'm just, I'm taking an L this week, and yep. I'm okay with it. No, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. All right, what do you got for two thumbs up? So kind of changing gears a little bit, um, one of the kids in my family, one of my children, um, actually, I'll start with this. I have ADHD. I was um, diagnosed as a middle schooler, and lucky for my kids, some of them have that same mm-hmm. awesome attribute. Mm-hmm. And we've really been struggling, um, especially with my youngest son, just how to how to approach the conversation and what like materials I want to like read about. Yes. But it's different because there's not a lot of literature out there for parents who have ADHD who are parenting children who have oh, ADHD. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's a book that I need to write. It but might be. There's a little bit out there and there's some articles like on the Chad website. Uh-huh. But it's been really hard for me because my son who has ADHD is so triggering. Yeah. Everything he does yeah. triggers me. Because you're recognizing your own. It's like I'm looking yeah. in a mirror, but he's a boy. And uh-huh. I think because I was a girl, too, I was so more... What's the word? Like, I was more polite mm. about some of the things. He's so outwardly, like, yeah. aggressive that it's... Yeah. So, anyway, my point is, I did find a really great book. hmm And I wanted to share it with people. It's not written from the... Um, perspective of a parent who has ADHD, but it's the best one that I've found so far. And it's by Dr. Sharon Saline. And it's what your ADHD child wishes you knew, working together to empower kids for success in school and life. And I'm a big audiobook fan. Yeah. And um, so I don't actually have the hard copy, but I linked the hard copy here. There are so many times where she is reading, I'm listening to this book and I the child in me is feeling validated. Oh. Like, yeah, I didn't do that because I'm lazy. I didn't right. do that because I'm a a-hole. Right. I did that because my brain works differently in this way. And mm-hmm. I've done a lot of research on ADHD to try to understand myself. Yeah. And there were still so many things that she talked about that resonated with me or helps me just pause with mm-hmm. my son mm-hmm. to think about, like, how can we do this differently? Right. And then from that, I've shared a couple um, parts of the book with him, and I see him understanding himself. Oh, that's fantastic. Which I never had that. Yeah. You know, it was like, you have ADHD, you're bad, here's right. little one, fix it. Yes. And I was, I really hope that um, anybody who's struggling with this, with mm-hmm. any of their kids, just picks up the book, or even just check out on Amazon, there's a preview. Right. That The, the preview had me like, that's I have awesome. to have this. It's oh, just cool. really, really well written. So I'm excited about it, and I'm sharing it with everyone. I actually bought um, two copies mm-hmm. for the school psych- school psychologist and for our resource teacher. At oh, our nice! So I I love it that much. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to listen to this. It's fantastic. And then really changing gears, <laughs> I am like the whitest person on the planet. My white, <laughs> I mean like that purple translucent mm-hmm, white. Mm-hmm. So self tanners usually are like a really bad idea for me uh-huh, because right. it, they're they're always too orange. Right. I will sure. share some pictures in our group. Uh-huh. On my wedding day. <laughs> because from what my son said, when he saw me in my wedding dress instead of, Mommy, you look beautiful, it was, Mommy, why do you look like Donald Trump? I didn't think that. I was there. I thought you looked You very saw me tan. when it was dark. <laughs> but anyway, I found a really great product. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's by EcoTan. Uh-huh. They're an Australian brand. They are holistic, organic. Just, oh. They're really, they, they check all the boxes. Right. But the name kills me. It's called Winter Skin, and I, <laughs> I couldn't think of something more accurate. That's really funny. It's buildable. Right. It reminds me a little bit of, like, the Jergens, um, yes. like, Build-A-Tan. Let me ask this. Better. 
Does it still smell like self-tanning lotion? Because you know that smell. Yes. Okay. Not as bad. Okay. But the smell you're smelling is from an actual ingredient that's in all self-tanners. Okay. So oh, right. it's like D- that's what it makes it work. It's like DHT or something right. like that. Um, but way more pleasant. Okay. I could put this on and go to bed without my husband saying something to me. Okay. When I was using the other tanner, St. Tropez. Yes, I've used that as well. I He's like, get away from me, you're disgusting. <laughs> totally. But for people who are very fair, right, who can't get away with like a little bit of bronzing, Got it is it. the absolute best product. Okay, I think I might try this. And it's a lotion. You apply it as a mm-hmm. lotion. And it doesn't streak. There's no streak because really it's so light. So gradual. And I did that, I would say like two or three times. I did this before India last year. Oh, two yeah, Two or yeah. three times. And it was like the perfect, okay. the perfect color. I might have to try this. Maybe I'll even sh- put a picture in our uh, Facebook group. I also have the, yeah, the, the translucent skin when you're wearing, you know, a dress where... Isn't it attractive when people can see, like, like yeah. the veins in your legs? That's yeah, cute. that's a good look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, mine are, first of all, um, Sarah James has recommended this one before, and it's been talked about much in our Facebook community, mm-hmm. but I finally got on the Honest Mascara bandwagon, and I am in love. Are you? In love. Have you tried it? No, but I there was recently a conversation in yeah. our group, and they, I mean, they were all raving about it. Okay, here's what's funny about it. Well, first of all, it's clean, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. because it's hard to find clean a good, a clean, good clean one mascara. It has a primer. It's a dual-sided thing. Oh. It has a primer and then the mascara. I didn't know this when I ordered it. It showed up, and I was like, oh, the primer, that's dumb. I'll never use it. Because historically, primers have sucked. It's dumb, yeah. right? Um, wrong. It's the best thing ever. The primer totally makes your lashes super thick and full, but it's white. So you put this on, it's almost like this is like your base coat, right? Like you're, okay. you're spackling them. <laughs> so the primer makes them really thick. And then once you put the mascara over it, it just goes on super smooth. I love it. And then it. it's probably really pigmented because it's grabbing all the white. Very. And what's so funny about it is I I decided to use it because I'm like, well, I'll use a green mascara on, you know, just regular days. And then I'll use like a fancy mascara when I really want a lot of volume. Right. Like something that's maybe not green. This is the best mascara that I own. On both sides. On both sides. Really? Fancy party mascara. All day mascara. And you know, I feel like this is, I don't, I cannot recall Sarah ever recommending any other mascaras. I feel like anytime anyone asks her, this is her go-to. This like every is time. the one she recommends yeah. a lot. So I don't know why it took me so long to get on the train. Um, <laughs> it is available on Amazon. It's not expensive and it's available um, on subscribe and save. So really? of course I just have it. Yes. Well, what, you know, and if you guys aren't on the subscribe and save bandwagon, what's great about subscribe and save is it's 15% off if you order five or more things every month. I need to get on that. Which is a really, it's a good deal. So I subscribe and save my toilet paper, my paper towels, my shampoo, and and then I'll subscribe and save. You don't have to get it every month. So Oh, you can defer it? Oh, yeah. You you set it up so you can do as little as every one every six months. Interesting. So, so... The mascara is fourteen ninety nine. Then you take fifteen percent off. It's only fourteen dollars. Yeah, I know. It's totally reasonable. And if you look at the reviews on Amazon, they're stellar. And then I have this one right now. I, I can keep a mascara for about three months. Yeah, me too. So I have it coming every three months. And we're supposed to not keep it really for much longer than that, right? Right. I know. Well, I I really do wear mascara every day, so I I use it. <laughs> Someone in my house has been stealing mine. Oh, hmm. teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So if you see her with raccoon eyes at school, just... That is so funny. And then she wears that she's... Not, I'm, not, I'm not wearing any mask. Yeah, what, what are you, are you talking, talking about? about? I have nothing on. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's weird. 
Um, and then my other thumbs up is a Netflix series, Murder Mountain. Have you seen this one? Yes, and we have not oh. talked about this, so I'm very excited that you're well, watching Well, I'm not it. done yet, so okay. don't tell me too okay. much. But if you haven't watched it yet, well, <laughs> it's so funny. I saw a joke on um, Twitter the other day, and it was talking about how, like, you know, 10 years ago, there were, like, a couple different shows, and we all watched them on different networks, and now it's, like, there's 50 shows about people being murdered on Netflix. Like, every show on Netflix is a murder documentary. Yeah. <laughs> And I've watched many of them. To Make a Murder, To Make a Murder 2. Or Child Abuse. Oh, yes. Which I've also watched a number of those. Um, We're so dark. It's so dark. But then I, I feel like you watch it. Um, well, I just watched, what was the one I watched on? Oh, The Keeper. Oh, I have The Keepers that. about the nun who discovered sexual abuse happening amongst no. um, Catholic priests and she was murdered. What? Uh, true story? Uh, true story. What? True story, yeah. And then that one abducted in plain sight. Oh. That wasn't murder. Oh. But the child who was just basically groomed and the abducted by a family parents. friend. And the parents that inter- they're interviewed. Like, <sighs> and there's a part of you, right, that you're like, you turn it off and you're like, I'm doing okay job, right? Oh, like, oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> well, I watched that. Now we're talking about all these different shows. But if you haven't Sorry. watched... If you haven't watched Abducted in Plain Sight, I don't, I, I will say massive trigger warning. If you've been sexually Absolutely. abused, I would not recommend it. No. Um, but if you're a parent, um, I wouldn't show it to children because it's no. very explicit. But it, I do think it's an important watch to be reminded that most, you know, sexual offenders of children are nice people. There are friends, there uh-huh. are neighbors, there are pastors, they there are. are coaches. Yeah, nice people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, this is kind of sad to talk about, and we're now we're really veering off track. But I mean, the the school, the our local high school this year has had two arrests. Yep, of teachers um, over inappropriate conduct with and students. These are teachers who potentially beloved teachers, and who potentially, considering the activities that our kids are involved with. Oh yeah, had they been a little bit older, yeah, correct. Were I mean, they would have been in their their path daily. Correct. It was it was a coach, and it was a drama teacher, mm-hmm. um, and again. Everyone completely shocked and innocent till that's proven the story. guilty. But but that's always the story. It's always the we're story. We're always you know we're always shocked, right? And it's it just it reminds me of how much I need to talk to my kids about yep. friends, neighbors, coaches. You know, absolutely. And I feel like I watched that abducted in plain sight, and clearly this was such an extreme example, and, and it and it was real ignorance on the parents' part. But it did. I sat my kids down and just had a conversation about adult child special friendships like mm-hmm. this that's never appropriate and a grown-up falling in love with you is never appropriate and a grown-up having secrets with you or giving you things um that that's weird and off you know that's never okay that's that's creepy and and you should be concerned and worried if some grown-up seems to be and i explained the word grooming i explained the whole thing to all my kids nine through 14 and even if it's not our kids who are going through it mm-hmm. this helps our kids be vigilant to their friends and Absolutely. neighbors so that they can have those conversations, hopefully. Yeah. Because if this is happening to a kid mm-hmm. or a peer of one of my children, right? they're probably not going to go to an adult, but mm-hmm. they might make comments uh-huh. that might set off alarm bells That's right. in our kids. Right. And so it's not always about, oh, you know, a lot of parents, oh, my kid would never. Right. Which is like, I love those words, right? My kid would never. But your kid's friend might. Uh-huh. And we need to kind of all be talking about this together. Yeah. I completely agree. Anyway, back to Murder Mountain. (laughs) This is about the pot industry in Northern California. um, And what, uh, I mean, it's, I I don't even know. It's so shocking. It's fascinating. It's so shocking that you watch the first episode and you're like, wow, that's wild. 
but that's probably the most wild stuff. Like they probably just told me everything that it's not going to get crazier than that. And then every episode that goes on, like, wow. And this is in our state. This is in California. This is in our state. Yeah. And I think that Humboldt has gotten a reputation for kind of being like anybody who, when I was in high school that got um, either a scholarship or was going to Humboldt, it was kind of understood that it was like a party school oh, yeah. or that it was like, you're going to go there to smoke weed for sure. And maybe get a degree. Listen, I lived in Florida and I knew that at Humboldt <laughs> state. Like, but, and I, I'm from the Bay area. Yeah. i never knew any of this. Yeah. I mean, the, the history here uh-huh. is just, it's a mind boggling. It really is. And like you said, every episode you're just like, and there's more. Well, and it really makes you think about, the issue of legalization, of marijuana, of all drugs, um, you know, it, it was just, it was really fascinating. Or how legalization isn't just one thing. Right. Legalization has a trickle-down effect. That's right. You know, with our law enforcement. Yep. And it just, there's so much more to it than yeah. just being able to purchase it. Oh, my gosh. Well, there is. And I and I think, I mean, we're dealing with those after effects now because this is the first year that it's been legal. Mm-hmm. And I was pro-legalization because Same. I don't think that our our uh, prisons need to be full of people who have, you know... Non-violent drug offenders. Right. I mean, uh, just that's my personal opinion. I don't think it should be criminalized. But then what happened was now it's a freaking free-for-all. We've got dispensaries on every freeway and billboards and big trucks you know, rolling around with weed maps plastered on the side of the truck. And our son's skating and on the way home seeing uh-huh. cartridges. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it's right. It's on school campuses. Oh, gosh. And and you know what? I think one of the moments that I had where I was like, oh, this, this kind of ended badly is I went to pick my boys up from the skate park. It was a freaking hot box. So many kids, I mean, which is true almost all the time, but kids were actively out in the open smoking weed. And I'm like, I'm going to call the cops. And then I'm and like, we're talking oh. about children. Well, except in this case, I think they actually might have been adults. It was a bunch okay. of pro skaters there for some reason, which is great too. But, but around but children. Yes, around children, which is great because then my kids are seeing these pro skaters that they look up to and follow on Instagram. And here they're all smoking weed right out in the open, like right in the middle of the skate park in right. front of all these children. And I, of course, me, I'm like, this is so inappropriate. I'm going to call the cops. And then I'm like, oh, this is legal. They get to do this. Like, like no, it's nothing. nobody's going to come and tell them not to do that around my kids. Right. They get to do that. They get to just smoke weed right and in so front of my kids. And so now we have to think about this great outlet that's right. so close to us. Is this a great place for our kids to be spending so much time? Which well, yeah. We want to be able to say, yeah, it is. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a local park. Right. But it's just, it does feel like the legalization, because there are no restrictions around advertising, it's become very normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's billboards making jokes about 420. Like, my kids all know way more about weed oh, yeah. than I ever did at their age. It does all, you know, it's just, I just feel like all the advertising makes it kind of feel like, oh, everybody smokes weed. And and when I was a kid, you know, we, we did the D.A.R.E. program and all of that, right? Yeah. And weed was always told to, to us as like a gateway. Right. And as I became an adult, and you know, I smoked weed in college. Sure. Sorry, mom. And I'm very pro, you know, CBD for healing. We're going to be doing an episode uh, very soon about just yeah. like, the medical implications and things like that. But I used to believe that it wasn't a quote unquote gateway. I used right. to really believe that. Right. But when you have this new culture growing up where they have something to numb a feeling. Yep. From yeah. their teenage years that is yeah. so accessible. Absolutely. I mean, a few years ago or even now we're worrying about pills. Right. But now this is so accessible and affordable. Yeah. What's going to prevent them, if they're willing to try weed at 13, 14, 
what's going to prevent them from wanting to try something harder? Yeah. And so I think the conversation needs to change about that. I do too. And this is, again, we're bo- we were both supportive of it being legalized. Yeah. But it came with so much more it that did. I don't think anybody even thought about. Well, to me, it's like, you know, we have a lot of regulations around the tobacco industry. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to see a tobacco billboard. You know, there's there's warning signs anytime, you know, if it's in a magazine. Um, and I just feel like we haven't caught up with the legalization. We need all the same warnings. We need all of the same protections, you know. I don't think it should be on billboards. I think dispensaries should be probably off the freeway. Absolutely. I mean, our just like you know the one I'm talking about on Santa Ana with the, like, like the three. tree. Like it looks like a freaking children's museum. Yeah, for real from the freeway. The it's one like with the glass building. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they they look very attractive. On like, that freeway though, which is about five more minutes until we get off on uh-huh. our exit by the fair. I think there is two or three. Oh, there's three. No, we drove to Santa Ana the other day, and there were three on our 10 mile drive dispensaries and two billboards. So, yeah. Anyway. And now they're also in every single, like, um, you know how like you would always joke around. There's like a nail salon in every mini mall here. Yes. There's a CBD shop in every mini mall. It's so true. And because there's not, there's not regulation. Yeah. And this is, I, we won't even go into this. We can say this for another episode, but not, they're not all the same. No. So to understand the difference between like CBD, THC. Yes. And then all the solvents. That are put yes. into them. So uh-huh. if you're breathing something in, right, it's not necessarily safe. No, there's a lot of other chemicals, and there's no discussion about that. Nope. There's no regulation. Not at all. So these kids are doing damage to their lungs, right? That they may not even realize they're doing because it's not a cigarette. Oh well, don't even get me started on just the vaping. Oh god, not even weed, but just the vaping and the vape juice, like the, co- like the cotton candy everywhere. Vape juice. Yeah, yeah, Razzleberry, yeah. vape juice. Ugh. <sighs> anyway. We have, a, we have a lot of feelings about this topic, obviously. <laughs> Me too. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. 
So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white pastel neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about one of our fantastic sponsors. So I have been on the natural deodorant journey and Myro is a great option for natural deodorant. First of all, it comes in this really cute refillable push-up case. It's modern looking in a bunch of fun colors you can choose. And because the case is refillable, they are reducing plastic waste by about 50% versus typical drugstore deodorants. But I have to talk about the scents. Myro's formula is made with essential oils that release over time. So Instead of smelling BO, you're smelling their scents, which are so good. Two of my favorites are Solar Flare, which has scents of orange, juniper, and sunflower, and Chill Wave, which is cucumber, jasmine, and spearmint. So good. It's made to work. It's long-lasting, but there's no toxic anything. It's totally aluminum-free and paraben-free. And did I mention it's a subscription? You guys know I love a subscription. So you get a refresh every three months delivered straight to your door. It's time for when most people run out. But you can switch your scents, press pause, or stop anytime you want. Myra has a great deal for our listeners today. Get 50% off your first order and get started for just $5. Visit mymyro.com selfie and use the promo code selfie. That's mymyro.com slash selfie and use the promo code selfie. All right. So I am here with Jeremy Cowart. He launched the Help Portrait Movement, which we're going to talk about in a sec. He also has a really cool venture, um, the Purpose Hotel, which I'm also going to have him explain to us. And in addition to that, he also um, just wrote a new book. So Jeremy, I'm so excited to chat with you today. 
Thank you, Chris. It means a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to talk a bit about the help portrait movement. Um, for listeners who aren't familiar with that, can you give us a rundown of what that looked like? Yeah, it's essentially a movement of photographers um, doing real fancy photo shoots for people in need. So mm -hmm. hair, makeup, wardrobe, catering, the whole deal. We just try to give people in need the full photo shoot experience. Um, so people in need could be the lonely neighbor next door, you know, army vets, uh, people, you know, patients at a hospital, the homeless, whoever you think is in need. That's awesome. And what what um what was that experience like for you? What what came out of that? Yeah, we've done it for gosh, uh, ten years now, and every year it's just so special. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people wonder why do people in need need photos of themselves, but um, it's like asking why do people need dignity? You know, like right. we we've had so many people say, that, oh, they need food and shelter and clothing. They don't need pictures. But we've seen homeless people literally two or three years later walking around still holding their photos because uh, the day is so much fun, for one, so it's a really special day. But two, you have to realize these, you know, many of many of the people we photograph have l never seen themselves with hair and makeup and nice lighting and they've never seen that version of themselves. So, you know, we take photography so for granted we can easily shoot an iPhone portrait any day of the week and... You know, with fine, nice lighting, but uh, a lot of people don't have that capability. Yeah, and I have found that you know, the way we see ourselves in photos can often sort of tell us the narrative of our story, whether whether right or wrong. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that with my family we take a family portrait every single year uh, because I feel like seeing that photo sort of helps us identify who we are. Um, so I can only imagine how these photographs affect a person who hasn't had that experience before. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. My family, we have um, two digital frames. They're called mural frames. Uh, they sit beside our TV, so in our living room. And it's, it's interesting that you say that because it's a reminder, like you can put thousands of photos in these frames. So every night we just have our whole life rewinding and playing mm -hmm. back from us as we live in our house. And it's so... Like you said, we kind of identify, oh, yeah, we, we do have all these amazing memories and places we've been, but we need that frame to kind of remind us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, you're a professional photographer. For listeners who don't know, you're a bit of a celebrity photographer. Um, you've photographed some, you know, very recognizable people. What made you, in the midst of this career, think, you know what, I want to take photos of people who otherwise couldn't afford this? What, what made you decide, like, I want to give back in this way? It was kind of a mixture of things. I had the idea about 11 years ago, and um, it was during a time where I wanted to do something at Christmas to help that was different. Um, and I just had the idea to use a local gym to invite a bunch of families together and work with the local nonprofit and then bring all my photographer photography friends together and we just spent a day doing that but the event went so well that um the next year i was like this should be like a global thing so i used the internet and all my friends and their blogs blogs were definitely a big a bigger deal at the time uh <laughs> and uh anyway it just kind of went the idea went viral in our very first year 
it was in like 44 countries or something, our very first try at a global movement. So, yeah, it just kind of took its own wings from there. Yeah, I mean, I I remember that starting and just so many people talking about it and being so excited about um, what you were doing. It's it's really neat. It's been uh, yeah. This in fact, this December will be the tenth anniversary of the global event. So we're we're gonna cool. do it big this year for sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I love that you kind of found this interesting take on giving back in a way that maybe wasn't the most obvious, but, but that is also in a way that kind of marries your passion. I know that you're passionate about social justice. You're obviously passionate about photography and you kind of found a way that those two things can work together. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely my passion these days, just marrying any kind of creativity with empathy and trying to bring new ideas to times of need and, um, so, yeah, that's definitely been a good way to do it. Well, I mean, speaking of that, you have in, in your new venture, you have really gone out of the box in a way to kind of give back and and um, creatively marry together um, travel and giving back. So talk to us about the Purpose Hotel and what that is. Yeah, it's an idea I had, gosh, seven years ago tomorrow. Tomorrow's the huh. seventh year anniversary of the idea. Um, I was walking through a hotel in Los Angeles when uh, I just was suddenly overwhelmed by this massive uh, vision, uh, an idea for a brand new global hotel chain. And um, I give God credit for the idea because I think when you know, if I had sat down that day and brainstormed, like, I need a new idea. I need a new career. What do I love? You know, and if I had sat down and really tried to come up with the idea, I would gladly take credit for the idea. <laughs> but I think when ideas hit us truly out of nowhere, I mean, uh -huh. I was walking into a meeting, minding my own business, and just <laughs> the whole concept from start to finish just so thorough uh, hit me out of nowhere. And the concept was... um you know, every room could sponsor a child and tell their story. The room keys could be connected to the giving keys, tell their story. The uh, artwork would come from humanitarian artists. The soaps and shampoos from Thistle Farms. The internet fee could pay, uh, could fight against human trafficking. And the list goes on. It was like mm -hmm. 50 ideas at once, all in one, you know, ribbon called the Purpose Hotel. Even the name hit me in the moment. Um, even the tagline, Change the World in Your Sleep, hit me in that very moment. Um, and so I was uh, kind of in awe of the, the idea. I knew it was a good idea. Uh, and I even told the guys uh, in the meeting that day, I was like, y'all, I'm having a really big idea, like right now. <laughs> it's all hitting me right now. And uh, they loved it. But, of course, <laughs> we had to get back to our meeting. And so then I would share it, you know, quite a bit. I knew there was something special about it. Um, but then I spent three years in fear of the idea, you know, three years mm. of just knowing it was still a good idea, but knowing also knowing it was way too big for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just terrified of it. And so it wasn't until 2015 that my uh, business partner, Michael, and I decided to start taking steps towards it. And what did that look like? How do you, you know, how how does somebody... Start a hotel chain. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> You're uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> you spend thousands of hours figuring it out, which yeah. we have uh, quite literally done. I'm um, sure you have. And I have to give my uh, business partner just all the credit. I mean, he's really carried the the bulk, the weight, the weight of this thing for 
three or four years now. I mean, literally thousands of hours, uh, just unbelievable amounts of work, uh, connecting with industry folks. We did a, uh, business incubator with Praxis, you know, spent a year doing that, learning how to do pitches oh, to investors. No and, uh-huh. um, there's been all kinds of things we've done to really learn the industry. And now, of course, we just announced, uh, we have a manager, a hotel management company. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot more people coming on board that do work in the hotel industry day to day. So, uh, but the short answer to your question is just finding, Find as a creative, finding somebody that's the opposite side of the brain from you. I call it uh, peanut <laughs> yeah. butter. You got to find we're, we're the jelly as creative people. You know, we're messy and uh-huh. uh, we we have a lot of flavor though, <laughs> but we're <laughs> messy and got to find that person that kind of holds us together and uh, can figure out the opposite end of the spectrum uh, from us. And so, Michael for me has always been that person. He's quite literally, in my opinion, a, a genius and. Um, yeah. And so I think sometimes creative people tend to want to partner with other creative people. And I think that's always a bad idea. <laughs> I think uh, creative people really need to partner with uh, business minded people and vice versa. I think that is absolutely true as well. Yes. Unless you're one of those lucky people that have both, which I am not. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're rare. They do exist. But they're they do rare. exist. Not, they're unicorns. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not one either. <laughs> and so um, what's what's the future for Purpose Hotel? You guys are launching soon. Yeah, we uh, hope to break ground by early next year, 2020. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be a two-year build from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hope to open in spring of 22, uh, which sounds forever away, um, especially since I already had the idea, you know, seven years ago. So if we open in 2022, that'll be uh, 10 years from the time I had the idea, That's which cool. is just crazy, a decade to wait on an idea. Um, but it'll be worth it. That's for sure. Well, absolutely. And these kinds of things take time for sure. I mean, you know, and, and if it's especially if it's done well and you're being thoughtful about it. Yeah, I think so. We're um, we're definitely being thoughtful about every single detail in the building. Um Yeah. And uh, the management we announced is uh, Horst Scholze. He's the guy that helped found the Ritz-Carlton. Um, so that was a huge announcement we made a couple of days ago. Oh, that's fun. Uh, so, so with Horst on board, it's hard It's hard to go wrong. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, they have such a gold standard in terms of customer service and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's exciting. You also wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> I did, yes. Just, just minor, minor little thing that you threw out there into the world in in the midst <laughs> of photography yeah. and advocacy and starting a hotel. You wrote a book. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the book writing process. Yeah, it was. Gosh, it's been a year of work and a, a ton of you know, uh, as you know, just just kind of brutal. Um, yeah. But, uh, but so glad to be on the other side of it. Uh, <laughs> I would say the hardest part for me was doing the audiobook. My goodness. Oh, really? Those are, those are not fun. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I have a, I have speech issues. That's a long story with my health right now. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, this all started with John Acuff asking me to speak at his conference years ago. When I was like, dude, I'm not a speaker, but I can draw a talk. And so I kind of drew up my life story in Photoshop. And that video um, kind of went viral and uh, viral in, you know, a local way, I guess you could say. I mean, it's a 30-minute video that, that uh, 
went a long way. And so, um, yeah, it kind of accidentally launched a speaking career and then yeah. that turned into the accidental launch of a book. And so uh, <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you just say yes and step into those fears. I really remember that video that you mentioned that went viral when you talked about this health journey. Could you give us a, you know, a little rundown of what that was all about? Yeah, I uh, just kind of told my story of being a really normal, quiet, shy, average kid. I uh, didn't think I could do much in life, didn't have very high expectations, um, got fired from my first job and was told I wasn't very creative, uh, made a D in photography, nearly failed you know, college photography. And so there was just a lot of kind of, I mean, not crazy setbacks, but setbacks that I know everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just didn't think I would amount to very much in life. And so I had very low expectations. But um, I think eventually just the encouragement from my parents and community around me, I maybe started to actually believe in myself. And then um, I go on to tell the story of how I became a very successful photographer, but then also realized that I, I didn't really care about being a successful photographer. I cared about, you know, using that platform to do things bigger than myself, uh, which is giving back in different kinds of ways. Yeah, which in which you've continued to do, which I, I find really admirable. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So the book is about leaning into fear, which um, terrifies me. <laughs> uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> me too. I, d- I don't like this premise, um, but, yeah. I, but I know it's so important. Um, well, what's that been like for you in terms of leaning into fear and, and what practices did you have to put into place in order to, you know, to make that a reality for you? Well, it's funny. I think about like as a kid, I have three different very specific memories, all of the same moment, the same feeling. That is, uh, first is I always wanted to be the first to walk into the haunted house. Like I literally wanted to step into blackness and be scared. Uh, I wanted to be the first to jump off the cliffs, you know, into the water, or jump off the bridge. I wanted to be the first to try the ropes course up high, you know. I just have always been drawn to that moment of like, oh, crap, here we go. Like, what's going to happen? And I think it's the exact same feeling as an adult and walking into these new ventures. You know, it feels like that haunted house. It feels like jumping yeah. off the cliff. Um where I am just shaking, I'm so scared, uh, but I know that there will be a reward on the other side, even even <laughs> if I get in, injured or hurt, or, you know, I know I'm going to learn from, from doing it, and so uh-huh. I've kind of always um, loved, loved being scared, and so yeah, the subtitles of my book is Jumping Into Fear, mm-hmm. and so granted, it took me three years to do that on the hotel front. Because I was just a you know freelance artist, like what freelance artist goes and builds a skyscraper from scratch? You know that was a really terrifying <laughs> thought to me. Um, but I just had the thought, you know, every every building has to start with one person, one thought. You know, and there, I remember flying over New York City and just looking down on the thousands and thousands of buildings and skyscrapers, and just had that very simple thought, like all of those had to start with one idea and one person. And why can't I be just one of those stories? I love that. I love that. Yeah. And why can't it be me? That's a great question. 
<laughs> and why can't it be this this idea that is so philanthropic and, and yeah. like every level is giving back, which I don't know if any of those buildings in New York that are trying to make the world better than when what we're trying to do. So it almost right. started to feel selfish and wrong for me to not pursue it because hmm. I know the idea is bigger than me and it would feel wrong to hold that to myself and not pursue it because I know that so many people are going to are going to benefit from what we're doing. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to, I just want to make a, a mention for people listening. Um, we will link up to the Purpose Hotels website. It is thepurposehotel.com. We'll also link it up in the mm-hmm. show notes. If you're listening on phone, you can, you can just click into the notes and then click through. Um, but you, you've created a beautiful website and it tells the whole story there on the website. And you have so many creative partnerships, but you've also paid a lot of attention to the aesthetics, which makes sense as you're a photographer. But, you know, in addition to it being this incredibly philanthropic venture, also the design, the architecture, the details are just beautiful. Thank you. The uh, I say yes in agreement because I didn't do that part. I mean, of course, <laughs> I uh, oversaw and sat in the meetings where we choose the renderings, but uh Got him, David Powell here in Nashville, and his team at Hastings Architecture. They have just, just done such an amazing job. The thinking behind it, like they call the texture on the outside of the building, like a fabric of humanity. It's like there's been a blanket draped over the building, and that blanket really rep- represents just the way they explain it. It's just so beautiful. Uh, there's so much thought into every little detail. I'm I'm really excited about it. I love the idea and the ethos behind it. And also just on a really flat level, I just think it looks pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, yeah, for, uh, for sure as an artist, we said that from the beginning. We all agreed like this building aesthetically has to make a statement. It cannot yeah. just be another glass metal structure like it has to be something the city is proud of and makes a statement so i'm glad i'm glad you agree that's awesome well we have a question from one of our listeners this is from lauren francis she asked she wanted to know this specifically she said i want to know how jeremy balances it i think so many times we hear it's a balance but that feels too vague i want to know what his calendar looks like does he schedule things does he do some sort of five nights with others two nights alone system one self-care day per month wake up and spend an hour hour by himself per day. What does the practical balance of this look like for him? So just a little easy question there for you, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, well, I so wish I had it more down to a science. Um, and I'm looking at my calendar as I answer this question. Um, I really think that it's a day to day choice. Like it is yeah. one day at a time. Uh, obviously putting everything on the calendar, working with your spouse, in my case, my wife, and really making the hard decisions. So, for example, um, two examples that come to mind. I mean, first of all, I choose my family every chance I get. But recently I was yeah. invited to this really cool thing this summer. It's in um, it's in Colorado. It's with all these cool people. It's with probably people that can invest in the hotel just one of those like rare, cool things you get invited to. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yes, I told them yes right away. I knew it was a no brainer. But then later I realized that's two days in the smack dab middle of my family beach vacation, like with Mm. my parents, with my in-laws, with my kids and nephews and nieces. And I continue to keep it on the calendar, 
But then it just, I just couldn't do it. I just finally told them, I was like, I can't come. I was mm. like, I need to be on the beach with my family. And, um, and you know, with a lot of conferences, which I know you do a lot of too, mm-hmm. like oftentimes it's like you speak on Saturday, but we'd love for you to come in Friday night for the VIP thing. Right. There's going to be a dinner. There's going to be a socialized, like whatever. Like I always say no to all that stuff mm-hmm. so that I can have another night at home with my kids then I'll fly in the next day right before I speak and fly back out. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm there to work and mm-hmm. to do my talk. It's not that I'm better than anybody or I don't want to talk to other people. It's just that I just want to be home and be Absolutely. a dead mode as, as much as I can. I want. I don't like missing soccer games or baseball games, like whatever it is. I want to be there. And so I just think you have to – it's one day at a time looking at the calendar and choosing your family every chance you can. Absolutely. And you have four kids. I do. Yep. And your family makeup looks very similar to mine. <laughs> yes. You have exactly. two biological, two adopted. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So four kids. I, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. As you know. I do know. I do know. Um, and, you know, you, you're a high output person. You have a lot of things going on. And I do know trying to define balance is elusive. But do you, what are some of your self-care practices in the midst of everything you have going on? Well, I need to become a better uh, master at self-care because I actually just found out I have a disease. Hmm. Uh, it's pretty serious. And so, um, I mean, typically when I'm on my health game, uh, which I'm not currently, but when I am, that involves extremely clean eating uh, for me. And then mm-hmm. that involves going to the gym every morning at six. So getting mm-hmm. up at five fifteen, that hour for me, uh, is really, um, just so helpful on so many fronts. Um, it's both quiet time. Cause even though I'm at a gym, I still just feel like that's the only distraction free time that I have in my day. Sure. Um, then, then when I get home, all the kids are kind of waking up and I can help get them to school and all that stuff. Um, but outside of that, it's uh, uh, it's you know work and dad mode all day long. I mean, till uh, till my kids go to bed. I wish my wife and I could get to the point where we got our kids like at least to bed early before we do. But we tend to let them stay up with us and you know watch you know a, a late night quick movie like literally a six minute episode of some Mickey Mouse thing or something, mm-hmm. and then we do cereal, and then it's like. By the time we put them to bed, like, I can't even function anymore. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. Like, what is better self care? I mean, I do work in a studio all by myself all day long, which I, I certainly could make room for a lot more, um, whether that's yoga or, you know, I don't know. I, I need to be better because, like I said, I have a disease now and I've got to really get on my game of taking good care of myself. Well, I mean, it's a challenge. I think, you know, if I've been doing this podcast for a little over a year. And if there's, you know, anything I've come to the conclusion of is that self-care is really hard. <laughs> you know, it's yes, it's really not easy. And it's not about a spa day. And it's not about you know, treating yourself. It's it's really, at the end of the day, more of a discipline than I think any of us want, want to think it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I admire the people who've got it all figured out. I mean, I, I work with... Uh, Michael Hyatt a few times. You know mm-hmm. Michael, right? Yeah. 
Michael is like one of those guys that just seems to have it all figured out. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, though, he's in a later stage of life. You know, he yeah. doesn't have kid, kids to raise every day. And so. Yeah, that's very uh, different. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the, uh, the people with four kids that have mastered self-care. Then, then we're ready for the conversation, right? I don't know that person. <laughs> yeah, I don't me know neither. I don't know that parent of four that's got the self-care thing mastered. <laughs> Exactly. Especially, it's not only that we have adopt that we have kids, but adoption is a whole different level of challenge. Um, you can't. It's like I always say that you you'll never understand, you know, marriage until you're married, and you'll never understand kids until you have kids, and you'll never understand adoption until you adopt. Even parents, I don't think, can really wrap their minds around mm -hmm. the challenges of adoption until they've gone through it. Because it is another level of challenges, yeah. It, it does. And it's like you saying that to me as a fellow adoptive parent, when you say there's additional challenges, I go, uh-huh, like I deeply know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I would have known that before. And I read all the handbooks, you know, yep, I read here. all the blogs. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, it does add additional components on a, on a number of levels, you know, across facets of parenting. There's there's exactly. different levels yeah. from race to academics to, you know, just being a little, you know, maybe a little more in tune and available than some of my other friends feel they need to just because there's higher feelings involved in things. And yeah, well, I'm curious, too, you know, I know you're a person that, you know, your heart really beats for caring for the world, caring for others. Social justice, I know, is a top value for you. And at the same time, you have lots going on. You're a data for how do you find that balance between, you know, wanting to kind of care for the world and then knowing that like you have your your own crew to take care of and your own self to take care of. And now you're, you know, you're dealing with a disease as well. How do you balance that? How do you when we have that bent of like, I really want to, you know, care for the world, we could always say this is so important that I have to do it to the point where we were just, you know, unbalanced and not able to take care of ourselves. How do you how do you know when to say no to things that feel like they should be yeses because, you know, you care? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of balls that have to be dropped. Um, and you have to really, really start getting good at uh, saying no. I mean, I say no so much to uh, you know, the, the emails, Hey, I want to pick your brain over lunch. Like I can't mm -hmm. get my brain picked anymore. It's, it's, uh, you know, and so I say no to, to, I only say yes to things that have to get done. And also on a personal project level, the things that I choose to spend my time on, I mean, I have, uh, I'm an ideas person. So I have a folder of, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris, I just have to tell you this. Um, my wife is texting me right now, and she said, I need you to call me SAP. And I said, I'm on a podcast interview with Kristen Howardson. <laughs> she texts she text me back in all caps, you didn't tell me you were doing Kristen Howardson's podcast. <laughs> so, she, like, like she's she's very impressed. So, thank you for 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 me scoring cool points with my wife. <laughs> well, but I just wanted you to know that that's uh, my really wife, funny. My wife thinks this is awesome. Well, I enjoy your wife as well, and I don't think we've been <laughs> able to meet in person yet. Your yeah. wife and I. But um, but yeah, I mean, I have ideas, uh, an ideas folder, and I probably have not pursued. Uh, 95% of them, you know, I, I really have to choose the babies that I think are worth my time. Um, and, um, and it's hard. I mean, there, there's just so many things I want to do that I just can't do. And so you just 
ultimately have to become a really mature decision maker every day, you know, um, and it sucks to say no uh, all the time, but I've, I've gotten really good at saying no. I mean, I think that's a big part of it, isn't it, is learning to say no, because then you're ultimately when you say no, you're saying yes to your family, to your self-care, to your health. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have one more reader question. This is from Alyssa Bajaneru. She said, how do you stay informed in a healthy way, not burying your head in the sand, but not becoming overwhelmed with news and politics and noise? Oh, my gosh. That is a great question. It is a good question. Uh, because that's something I've really been trying to figure it out figure out over the last three years, ever since Trump was elected. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would say those two years, the first two years, I was kind of drowning. Um, uh, I don't really mind saying that I'm, I'm not a fan of this president. Um, and I'm not trying to sway anybody's opinion, but it's so messed with my head that I just kind of got lost for a couple of years. Just, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just unlearning a lot of, I had to unlearn a lot about the church and uh, mm -hmm. even people in my family. And just, yeah. uh, I don't know, it just kind of sent me spinning like yeah. a dovetail, you know, dovetail for one. I finally feel like I'm back on my feet, but. Man, I totally drowned in, in the news and politics and Twitter. And, you know, I was definitely another voice chiming into everything for good, for good or bad. I'm not sure still. It's debatable. Um, but I just would get so frustrated at the lack of people speaking up, you know, at the silence uh, across the board. And it really, really unnerved me like how can we as a church stay so quiet and so silent in the in all that's happening and so uh man it's been hard and so but a but a practical answer to the question you know like i now have a, a separate twitter account to where i only follow politics there so on my main jeremy coward account i've like weeded out all the politics so i can at least see a normal twitter feed Mm-hmm. With no politics. And then when I want to stick my head in that room, you know, I can go check the other account. And so that's like a good way for me to do it. Obviously, you can remove apps from your phone or your computer or vice versa, um, which I've done a lot of that. But I think I've finally gotten to this place of just kind of being able to be in the know without drowning in it. Because I drowned for two years and I yeah. didn't. Uh, that just wasn't good for me or anybody in my circle. So, and how did you know you were drowning? Like, what was your kind of um, marker of like, okay, this has moved from being informed and being an advocate to being unhealthy? Um, just, I mean, I've never been a person that gets depressed. I've never struggled with depression, but mm -hmm. I think I once I started getting real, like my creativity was just gone. Like I mm. just was getting depressed and not creative and I would just like get in my echo chamber and read the news all day and what others were saying and then what the others were saying, which is similar to the first group of whatever everybody was saying, you know, right. so I just, uh, I just yeah. realized that I'm, I am too obsessed, too depressed. Um, and it's, there's so, there's just so much of it, uh, that it's easy to, to get out. So I, I don't know. I just had to pray and talking to friends helped me and kind of my own version of therapy, you know, just kind of going to my community for, 
for therapy. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, now I have a good balance. I feel like where I'm definitely still in the new. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just trying to do stuff. I, I've been more productive in the last four months than I have the last three years combined. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, been doing art and art shows and did the book and now we're cruising on the hotel and um, it's just a lot going on and it just feels so healthy now to be productive again. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I think that, you know, I, I mean, I can relate so much to what you're saying because I think that for many of us who came from a faith background, um, to watch the the people and the institutions where we were taught love and kindness and where our love for social justice sort of developed and blossomed, to watch mm-hmm. those same people and institutions usher in this, you know, <sighs> this leader who seems to be antithetical to all the things we were taught. Exactly. It was really confusing. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with the purpose hotel, like we're just so trying to unite people. I mean, it sounds so cliche. Like every politician says that, you know, I want to bring people together, but like, it's (laughs) the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. Like Mm -hmm. no, really, how do we work together as different, you know, and to have a leader that's going the opposite direction, and then the church, and like you said, the people who taught me going that direction with him, which is so divisive. And I was just like, what, <laughs> what is happening? You know, to everybody I know, like what? I just, I was so confused. It was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, and, very, very confusing. Still confused. Remained, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, it's still there. I've just, I've just, I don't know. I'm just trying to keep my head down and keep, keep working hard and, well, I think, yeah, I think that's where you, you know, I think you have to decide, like, what action can I take? And then I probably need to close my computer, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah, exactly. I can make some phone calls. And then when I've spent like two hours on Twitter fighting with people I don't know, maybe I've moved into a space that's not <laughs> healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a hard one, though. It's 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 yeah. really hard. I thought that was a great question, too, just figuring out For how sure. how you can stay informed and not be overwhelmed with you know, the need or um, <laughs> the bad space we find ourselves in as a country. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah, I think that's a daily, a, a daily discipline. Absolutely. All right. Well, my last question for you is a question that we ask um, most of our guests, which is what are two things, um, we call it our two thumbs up, what are two things that help you in your practice of self-care? It could be it could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a practice, it could be a TV show, um, it could be a product. What are two things that you would recommend to others in a self-care journey? I am not a big book reader. I really want to be. I love reading books. I just don't much because life and four kids and all that. Um, but for 10 years, people told me to read that dang book, uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, my and gosh. Yeah. I finally did, and now I've read it four times, and I can't uh-huh. stop reading it. Uh, yeah. That book is like everything to me. It's like explains yeah. why I avoided my own work for 20 years. Oh, my years. gosh. Um, Same. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh that book has been a game changer for me. Uh yeah, for sure. That's where my head goes. That's a really good one. Yeah, I felt like that book was reading my mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like scary. I was like, "Oh my god. Why gosh, are you looking I... at me?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you know? Uh-huh. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah, that book. Um second thing, did you say two things? Yeah. Um <laughs> This is a goofy response, but Ossie Bowles come to mind. 
acai bowls for my my drug addiction. Okay. Oh, acai bowls. Yes, the like pink yes. frozen sort of smoothie bowl. Yes. Oh my gosh, day. I love those every day. I well, I work at the factory in Franklin, and there's Franklin Juice Company in my building, and well, so they're you know it's just practically steps. in front of you. <laughs> I know, so I have to eat them every day. That's funny. Yeah. What do you yeah. eat on them? Do you like them with honey, with granola? I do gluten-free granola with mm-hmm. almond butter and strawberries and bananas and crack cocaine and <laughs> whatever else I can. Sprinkled yeah, on top. Else, yeah. Oh, they're so good. So those good. are really good. I enjoy those too. And they're relatively healthy. I mean. Ish, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm going to keep telling myself that. Yeah. Well, you know, fruit, they're made of fruit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, they're so good. They're so good. I enjoy those too. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for chatting with us. So people, um, as I mentioned, we're going to link up to all of Jeremy's stuff on our show notes at selfiepodcast.com. You can also find him at thepurposehotel.com. Um, I'm also going to link up the video that you mentioned earlier. Um the, the one that went kind of viral. Um, I'll link that up in the show notes. And then where else can people find you online? Yeah, I'm just uh, at Jeremy Cowart at the Purpose Hotel. Those are the main two places. And, okay. uh, and uh, yeah, and my wife, my wife, I forgot to plug her. She's an amazing realtor in Nashville. Um, but yeah, that, w- that should have been an answer to my question earlier about life balance because with both of us working, it's crazy. But Totally. Awesome. I'll also link up to your book in our show notes as well so people can check that out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Kristen. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at selfiepodcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care. Take care.